Welcome to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, Gazette Hawkeyes reporter, John Steppi. I'm excited to be joined by Paul Burmeister, former Iowa quarterback, now a couple different roles for this Saturday, NBC play-by-play commentator, also the voice of Notre Dame football. Paul, thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for thinking of me. I'm really excited for this weekend. So what's it going to be like coming back home to Iowa? I think it's going to be awesome to be back in Iowa City on a game day. I just, uh, with the way the work has gone these last 20 years since I left working in local TV, I'm usually doing something on Saturdays in the fall that prevents me from, from being back and being a part of the festivities there and seeing friends and all that that everybody gets to do there on fall weekends. I think I've been back twice since 2003 for a game. So I'm there to work. I'm there to call a game right down the middle between Iowa and Minnesota. But as far as coming back to the place and coming back to Iowa City and being at Kinnick Stadium, uh, that'll be really special. And I'm really excited to get there. Does this bring back memories for you? 100%. It'll bring back memories. Um, I'm not sure which ones will, will... We'll leave the biggest mark if it'll be those as a player or from you know, growing up in Iowa City and you know going to all the games and sneaking into Kinnick Stadium when I was a kid to work out and throw the football around or or as a, a young professional when I was working at Channel 9 and Channel 7, you know, lugging the camera to the game and doing all that work. So probably a little bit of everything. I've got a lot of history there in Iowa City uh, from a lot of different roles. And I'm sure they're all washed over me at different times. And I think that's, that's part of the reason it'll be fun to be back because I just, I've not been around it that often as a full-fledged adult. And I'm looking forward to, to seeing the sights and smelling the smells. And uh, it'll just be really fun to be doing a job. I do quite a bit, uh, but, but to be doing it at a really special place. And then I'm sure a lot of people remember you from your KCRG or KWWL days what was kind of your path from there to now working for NBC in Notre Dame? I got a really fortunate break right when NFL Network came on the air. I had some interest there. I was at Channel 7. I think it was the spring of 2004 and ended up being lucky enough to, to get on with NFL Network pretty much when they were right out of the gate. They came on the air in November or December of 03, and I got hired in the summer of 04. So I got on board there really early and was kind of a part of that startup from the beginning. And we moved from Iowa City to the Philadelphia area where I hosted everything that the network did out of NFL Films in South Jersey for three years. And then as the network grew up, everything was taking place in Los Angeles. So they invited us to move out that way. And we went to L.A. for seven years. And it was a wonderful 10 years at NFL Network. Just awesome memories. I'm grateful to them for sticking with me when, I mean, to be honest, my first couple of years from local TV, I I had a lot to learn and probably wasn't really good enough, if not to be there, certainly not good enough to excel there, but they stuck with me and we made it work and I developed and became part of what they did. And those 10 years were invaluable to me. Uh, Just kind of came to a point where a move to NBC was best for my career. Thankfully, they were interested that way. So we moved back to the East Coast. Uh, to the New York City area. We, we live in Connecticut now, but this is my 10th season now at NBC. And obviously, the NFL Network, I was only football. Uh, but now I do a number of different things from the Winter Olympics and Summer Olympics to hosting the Tour de France to hosting the Premier League, uh, calling college basketball, doing Notre Dame football, Big Ten football now, uh, and a number of things in between. So 
it's a great place to be a role player, to be part of the team, because we have so many different types of sports at NBC. Uh, but that's really kind of a long-winded way of, of saying what's happened these last 20 years since I left Channel 7. Is there any one of those, that list is kind of a quite the extensive list of different events and really high profile things. Is there a favorite that you've been able to broadcast? I think that hosting the Tour de France every year, I think the last eight seasons has probably been the most meaningful and, and the most helpful for me. It was really the first thing timing wise that I was really thrown into outside of football. Cause when I went from NFL network to NBC, I went to host their daily football show, their daily NFL show, which has kind of morphed into something else in the studio show that it was when I got there. So I had to start filling other roles. And one of the first things I got asked to do was host a tour de France. And I, I truly did not know much about cycling at all, let alone the intricacies of cycling and that event and how it works. So it was really rewarding to start from scratch and to work my way up to feeling like I could actually have words coming out of my mouth on the air that first year back in 2016 to slowly become a regular part of what they do with that studio team and that coverage team for the entire month of July. Um, So I would say that one, just timing-wise, it was my first, and it's really led to tremendous friendships and relationships and just work-wise, respect inside the building. I, I think it was very helpful for me to have my colleagues, my boss to see that I could handle something outside of the world of football and do a nice job with it. So I'll always feel grateful to that event. I'll always love it. And everything else has been really, really fun too. But that's, I I think if I had to put one first for events outside of football that have meant the most to me personally and professionally, Tour de France is number one. And then as you prepare for this Iowa-Minnesota game, as a former Iowa quarterback, What really jumps out to you about this Hawkeyes team? Well, I think if I could kind of zoom out from just the Hawkeye team and just kind of Mm -hmm. go to the the game, my number one thought is how similar these two teams are and how they they think of themselves, how they try to win on Saturdays. Uh, I don't think either one is going out and saying, okay, we're going to get a collection of five stars and just out-athlete and out-personnel everybody. They want to be hard-nosed, tough teams that are led by their defense, led by the running game, and oh yeah, the special teams got to be really, really good too. Um, Iowa, if you just look at the numbers, has had a little bit more success than, than Minnesota. They've certainly done well in the series, uh, winning most of the recent games there, uh, but, but they're two teams that see each other the same way, two programs that, that want to be built the exact same way, and that's that's my number one thought. And then as a former quarterback yourself, any advice for Deacon Hill as he kind of goes through a tough situation, a tough stretch, taking over for Cade McNamara? Yeah, I would imagine I'm a pretty good pretty good guy to, to have a response there because I certainly did not start right away and have a bunch of things really, really um, in, in terms of winning and big numbers. I didn't have all of that uh, at the beginning. Um, you know, there were struggles throughout. So I can certainly speak to to a quarterback experience at Iowa that includes a wide range of play, uh, the good, the middle, and and the struggles. So I would say to him, uh, this will test your confidence as much as anything you've ever done up to this point. Uh, and w- when you get to that point where things aren't going well and the passing game isn't going the way that they want it to, those Sundays and Mondays when you're by yourself, you really got to dig deep into that confidence and think about what brought you there in the first place what makes you enjoy it when you came to Iowa? What were the 
enjoying the um, what were the parts of it that you really wanted to be there for anyway and the parts that made you believe in your own game uh, but because the statistics right now are not going to tell you are, are not going to pump up your confidence that way so it's really a full-fledged adult test of of your confidence and why you like being around the sport because when the passing game struggles that way and you're the quarterback at a major university um, you, you, you've got to find a way to kind of dig out of it emotionally and find the joy and find the positive energy with coming back out there with the kind of confidence that you have to have that next Saturday. And now 30 years or whatever it's been later, any favorite Iowa moments or any favorite Iowa memories looking back? Most of my best memories are tied into my relationships with, with my teammates and, and my coaches. And, you know, there were fun wins and there were touchdown passes. I remember and drives that stick out, but, Really, 30 years later, what means the most to me is feeling that admiration and respect and trust from my teammates. And I think a lot of that is driven from the fact that I, I didn't come in and play right away. I mean, I was in, so I redshirted my first year. So of my five years, I was more than halfway into my fourth year before I became a starter. And I think watching from the sidelines, my really good friends, Matt Rogers and Jim Hartley play and seeing what it meant to be the starting quarterback and how the teammates interacted with you and wanted to be led by you watching that from the sideline and, and wondering if I was ever going to be that guy, I think added to the, to the joy and the satisfaction when I actually got there. So I, I think my number one memory is walking into that meeting room on the, that very first Monday before I made my first start at Indiana and coach Patterson would hand out the depth chart as soon as we all got in there and seeing my name, number one, not tied with anybody, just number one Burmeister and going through that entire week as the starting quarterback after I'd watched again, teammates who were my closest friends go through that and kind of wonder if that was going to happen for me. That was, man, that feeling, uh, that's, that's worth a million damn dollars, man. I mean, that was, <laughs> that was as good as it gets. And I just remember walking into the huddle at practice and all those offensive linemen were upperclassmen and were ahead of me and had been playing forever. And I could tell that they welcomed me in there, that, that they believed I was going to do a good job, that smile and that confidence and that, hey, man, you know, good to see you here. That, that really comes to mind when I think about number one memory is respect from guys that I respected the hell out of. I guess when you get here, you'll be able to find your way around. <laughs> I know Iowa City's grown a lot. Uh, Corvell's much bigger than it used to be, and there's a lot of new, a lot of new happening downtown. But yeah, I, I think I'll be able to find my way around. <laughs> and these games that you do on TV, they end up taking up. There's a lot of production time and meetings, and there'll be a number of other things to do. But I absolutely want to get a couple hours to get downtown, walk around, and just see it and be around it. I mean, that's that's part of the thrill of this weekend of anybody going home is that you want to step away from work for a couple of moments and just appreciate where you are. So I hope the schedule allows for, for a little bit of time for me to get out there and uh, just kind of realize I'm back home and enjoy all that comes with that. Well, thanks Paul for joining me. You got it. As I said at the beginning, thanks for thinking of me. And uh, this will be a really, really fun thing to be a Kinnick and call a classic big 10 rivalry. Uh, can't wait for kickoff on Saturday. I'm excited to welcome back to the Hawk Off the Press podcast, Andy Greeter from the Pioneer Press, who covers Minnesota. Andy, thanks for joining me again. Yeah, thanks for having me on, John. 
So what should Iowa fans expect to see from this Minnesota team on Saturday? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of an unknown, right? I mean, they have been really good at times. Uh, they have been really poor at times, right? And they've been blown out at other times. They've given up huge leads. They've beat some teams that you expect them to beat. So it's really kind of, are they able to put together a full game yet or not, right? I think you look at kind of the Nebraska game where they had a late comeback to win that one. Uh, you look at the Michigan game where they got completely you know, run over in that one. Uh, You look at Northwestern and how they had a 21 point lead in the fourth quarter and lost that. So, uh, you know, and then they went to North Carolina and and were in that game for most of it and and kind of got uh, boat raced at the end by Drake May on the road against what's now a top 10 team. So it's really hard to know exactly what Minnesota is uh, because they've played some quality teams and, you know, they beat Eastern Michigan and Louisiana uh, in the meantime as well. So it's it's kind of hard to to really know what they are. Then quarterback with Cal McManus again this year, how has he kind of developed since Iowa fans saw him last, kind of early on in his career? Yeah, so I think when you look at him, it's it's been like his team, right? I think he, he goes like the team goes. You know, he's he's had some some better games. Uh you know, he you know played well against you know, kind of Northwestern for the most part, played well against Louisiana, uh, but he struggled mightily at other times. He threw two pick sixes against the Wolverines. Those are the type of plays that the Hawkeyes have been known to capitalize on and and really lead them to victories. So he can't make those kind of mistakes again. You know, he has a big arm, uh, but he's really lacked in accuracy. I think that's been his biggest thing. You know, he's thrown a couple of uh, picks against, you know, North Carolina as well. Uh, You know, he was you know, kind of it's, that's kind of been his season, right? They've, they've, they're really high on him. They think he's got a, a big ceiling. Uh, he's got it. Like I said, he's got a big arm, but it's just the accuracy. It's the decision-making and, and those kinds of things that they're waiting for him to like his team, put it all together. Well, big arm, lack of accuracy. It's definitely something that's not going to be familiar at all to Iowa fans this year <laughs> at running back. No Mo, which I'm sure Iowa fans are very happy about, but it seems like Minnesota keeps on finding these really good running backs now with Darius Taylor. Yeah. Darius Taylor was, you know, three-time big 10 freshman of the week, uh, three, three weeks in a row uh, as a true freshman, which is, you know, mighty impressive. So yeah, he, he's kind of come on uh, right out of the gate. You know, he kind of saw, he suffered an injury at the end of the Northwestern game he missed the Louisiana game. He missed the Michigan game. Uh, PJ Fleck, you know, releases next to nothing when it comes to injuries. Uh, so we're very much in the dark on if he's going to be able to play or not. Zach Evans, in the meantime, a redshirt freshman. Uh, he came on and won Big Ten Freshman of the Week uh, against Louisiana. So he's shown an ability to, to make plays as well. Uh, so they've got some other running backs as well outside of Darius Taylor, but is you know their number one in Taylor going to be available on Saturday is, is a question that's going to probably go down until when that availability or status report comes out two hours before kickoff. The Iowa defensive line coach Kelvin Bell was really complimentary of this Minnesota offensive line and the way that they're coached. How does this O-line shape up this year? Yeah, you know, it's it's really been a transition. Obviously, John Michael Schmitz, uh, you know, was one of the best centers in the country last year. Uh, kind of picked up where Tyler Linderbaum left off two years ago uh, to be kind of the best center in, in almost the country. He almost won the Remington. A lot of people in Minnesota felt like he should have won. 
the Remington, uh, he's gone. He's now with the Giants and, and playing on Sundays, and they lost both of their guards as well. So that was a, a transition to replace all three of those guys uh, interiorly, um, and they've done a, a good job of it. You know, I think one of the biggest things when it comes to the Gophers is the running backs have been able to you know, get a lot of yards after contact, right? So that's that's really been key for them. I think there's been the offensive line play has been okay, good at times. It hasn't been stellar, and I think the running backs have made up for it. At times, you know, they mix things up. You know, they're they they used to be you know a lot of inside outside zone, uh, a lot of RPOs, and now there's you know kind of a fair amount of gap scheme in there as well. So they try to kind of hit you with different kind of run game combinations. And then I was looking earlier in the week at Tyler Newbin's Pro Football Focus numbers, and I was convinced that my eyes had to be deceiving me. Seems like he's having quite the season there in that Minnesota secondary. Yeah, you know, he's a preseason All-American at free safety. Uh, he's got three interceptions. You know, he really kind of helped them beat the Cornhuskers in the season opener. He had two picks, including one in the last minute that was vital for them to get that win. Uh, he had another pick against Louisiana. Uh, I just did a story about him today. You know, he's one interception away from tying the Gophers all-time career interception lead. Uh, he's he's a ball-hawking safety. He's a guy who likes to play center field and kind of understand in his fourth year uh, kind of what the route combinations are, what an offense is trying to do, and kind of read the quarterback's eyes and, and make a play on the ball. And you know, he's he's you know really kind of blossomed here this year, especially. Uh, obviously, the comparisons would be to Antoine Winfield Jr., uh, who was an All-American here at Minnesota, and he's kind of keeping up that kind of lineage. Obviously, Jordan Howden uh, had a good career in Minnesota, and he's not playing on Sundays with the Saints, so they've done a good job at that position. And and he's really the leader of this defense with with Cody Linden. Uh, out for the first half of the year with the, the hamstring injury. And then if there's anything that Iowa fans can kind of hang their hat on offensively, it's been the run game and what they yeah. did on the ground against Wisconsin. Sure. What challenges will this Minnesota front seven really present for Iowa? You know what? It's, uh, they, they do a lot of rotations up front on the defensive line. Uh, they feel like they stay pretty fresh, fresh and, and healthy and, kind of bring you in waves eight, nine, 10 deep along the off uh, defensive line rather. Uh, so I think they're good there. You know, linebacker has been an adventure without a doubt, you know, without Cody Lindenberg and with some transfers that have, that have left uh, they've been really struggling for having experience at that spot. So if they were able to kind of stretch the, the Gophers defense, if the Gophers defense and linebackers don't say disciplined and, and stay in the right gaps, uh, you can see another, you know, 80 yard touchdown like the Hawkeyes had against Wisconsin just because of you know, missed tackles, poor assignments. Uh, so that's going to be key for the Gophers. You know, there's, you know, maybe Lindenberg comes back. We're not quite sure. That'll be a huge boost for them. He's an all big 10 type linebacker, uh, but without him, their linebackers have have struggled a lot this year. And then it's been a while since the pig was last in Minneapolis. I think I was probably even in high school the last time that it <laughs> yeah. was. Yeah, right. Up there. So, you know, maybe aging everybody above a certain age, as I say that. But is that something that's on PJ Fleck's mind that, you know, it's been a while since obviously he hasn't. And it's been a while since his team has won this rivalry game. Yeah, I mean, PJ is 0-6. The University of Minnesota is 0 for the last eight. Uh, So, yeah, it's something that that really hangs over this program, right? I mean, the Gophers moved into a new football facility. I was thinking about it when I was driving down uh, to Minneapolis today. 
Uh, and I think they moved into it after the 2017 season and they've been able to have, you know, Paul Bunyan's ax in the trophy case. And they've been able to have, you know, the governor's victory bell, which is a newer trophy that they have with Penn state. They've won that one. Uh, they haven't had the jug in that, the one that the rivalry trophy that they have with Michigan, uh, but they certainly haven't had the pig there. Right. So it's, it's one of those things where they've moved into a building and have been there for almost six years now. And they haven't had that trophy in those trophy cases, uh, you know, PJ Fleck, you know, can be pretty sarcastic and dry at times on certain topics. And he was asked on his radio show yesterday, how much it bothers him that they don't have, they haven't had the pig that he's owing six in these games. And he just said uh, how much it bothers him. He said a little bit. <laughs> and I think that's, that's indicative of how much it is, right? The translation is a whole hell of a lot, right? Obviously this really bothers him because he knows when he came to Minnesota in 2017, uh, what these two rivalries in particular with Iowa and Wisconsin mean to the program, mean to the fan base. And he's, you know, even things up with Wisconsin, you know, they, they have the ax now they've had it, I think three out of the last five or six years. So that's been an even rivalry. Uh, part of the reason why they, uh, they made the coaching change there in Madison. Um, but yeah, he doesn't have, he doesn't have the pig, right? I think, you know, those are two big rivalry games. You know, there's a chance in Minnesota. It's not very original. It's not very unique, but it's, you know, who hates Iowa? We hate Iowa, right? I think it's, you know, they they cheer that when they're playing New Mexico State in the season opener two years ago, right? It's it's always something that's there uh, for the Gophers and their fans, and they haven't had the pig. So, yeah, it's it hangs over everybody uh, that's surrounding this program. And then it's a great segue into – I was kind of bringing up the same thing last week with ahead of Wisconsin, where this new flex protect 18 model that big 10 has come up with. First of all, flex protect 18. What a great name. I know it really rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Yes. Especially with the Roman numerals. That's like testing my fourth grade or whatever year it was. I learned Roman numerals. It's a little, it's a little pretentious. We're not talking about the Olympics here, right? It's <laughs> just get over yourself a little bit. Well, in this model, anyway. Iowa and Minnesota stay protected. I think yeah. this is a big win for both fan bases, considering how much it does mean something to really, I think both states. Yeah, for sure. And when you look at speaking of the schedules going forward, right? The elimination of divisions and when you look at kind of the powers that are coming in from the West coast and the challenges that I think both programs are going to face on the bigger scale going forward, it's just going to put more emphasis on winning this rivalry game because you're going to have a more difficult time competing at the higher levels of, of an expanded big 10. Um, so yeah, it always means something, but I think it's going to mean even more just looking at the landscape of, of a divisionless 18 team, big 10 and, and where you are in the weeds with so many teams in the mix there. And then do you have a score prediction yet for this week? I, I don't, you know, obviously the, the over under has gotten a lot of attention, right. With last year's one setting a, a record at 31 and a half. I, I saw the betting line move from five and a half to three and a half today. I don't know what the over under was done if it's moved at all. Um, but yeah, I expect it to be, you know, I'd probably take the under uh, I'd imagine it's going to be pretty low scoring. You know, I think just given the fact that the Gophers have a lot of times, I think four out of the six, games that PJ has had six of the last eight that Iowa's won all of them have been one score games, right. Outside of two of them. Um, So I think it's going to be another close game. I think the fact that, that Iowa is, you know, without McNamara and, you know, without 
both of their top tight ends and where's the playmaking going to come from, right? Where obviously yeah. that's, that's obviously not something new to anyone that follows the Hawkeyes. Obviously the drive for 325 is something that, that Minnesota, you know, sees often as well. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, if not now, when, right? Because you, you look at the talent or lack thereof on Iowa's side uh, of offense, but you know that they're, you know, as stingy as they've been defensively. So, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that, you know, this could be the year uh, that the Gophers are able to get over the hump. But, you know, just given how daunting it's been for them in this rivalry, given how difficult it is in Kinnick, I know I'm rambling on. I haven't come up with a prediction yet, but it's going to be really hard to to bet against Iowa, I think, in this one. I'm going to go very original here, very creative, and say 13-10. When has there ever been a 13-10 yeah, I don't. Game? Iowa definitely not, definitely not last November. It's It's probably been a while. Yeah, really far back in the history books. <laughs> well, Andy, thanks for joining me. Yeah, man, it was it was a pleasure. I, I enjoyed doing this with you, John. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in to another episode. Until next time, we will talk Hawks later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.